Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today is August 11th, and it is a Thursday edition of the MSP Initiative Live. I'm actually live here in Newark, New Jersey at a little VoIP training event here, but uh, hey, all good, you know, travel around, and that's the cool part about remote work, right? You can be here anywhere, anytime, anyplace, including a trunk of your car, right? So uh, anyway, welcome to MSB Initiative Live. Um, again, going to go through my housekeeping uh, for anyone that you know attends these regularly. You know that's how we start these off. So MSPinitiative.com. You see this session and every other session is available in video and podcast format. Um, so we have all of these going back to March of 2020. Um, have three MSP community block parties coming up between now and the end of the year. One in Washington D.C. If you're headed down to Datacon or just happen to be in the area, um, this is happening on a Monday night. So forget Thursday night, Friday night. Let's talk about Monday night. Uh, if you're going to the Taylor Business Group Big Big uh, down in Fort Lauderdale, uh, which is uh, a little bit after, um, I think a week or two after Datacon, we'll be doing a boat party. Uh, and then lastly, if you're headed to Orlando at the end of the year, uh, we'll be doing an MSB community block party in Orlando. So um, definitely, uh, you know, we'll, get, we'll do a little bit more news about these. These are the three coming up. And then lastly, we have uh, our Channel Strong Tour. Uh, we have three left. The next one's coming up here um, next month, the end of the month. So if you happen to be in, uh, let's see, and scroll down, um, Denver, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Topeka, Kansas, or St. Louis, uh, we would, uh, we're going to be in your backyard, right, at the end of September here. So if you're an MSP, you're in one of those areas, go to uh, actually channelstrongtour.com, I believe takes you straight to the landing page um, where you can actually request an invite if you're, I didn't spell that right, but channelstrongtour.com takes you to this landing page uh, where you can actually put your name in there, raise your hand if you're an MSP, and we'll make sure to get you an invite uh, to hang out and uh, <laughs> for a few hours in the afternoon and talk shop and maybe learn a few things. So without further ado, uh, we have the dynamic duo, Batman and Robin. I don't know which one's Batman and which one's Robin. We'll let them tell us. But uh, our guest speakers for today, Paco and Rick from MSP Unplugged. And uh, I actually just ran into these guys last week in Chicago. Uh, or not last week, the week before. I'm running out of days. So, yeah, I think it was last week at ChannelCon. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Better than good, better than most. Can't complain. Better than good, better than most. I like that. I like that a lot. That's good. How about you, Rick? I'm doing okay. I can't complain. Okay. All right. So which one's Batman and which one's Robin? Oh, Rick um, is clearly Batman. No, I'm, I'm clearly just, I'm the side. I'm the side. <laughs> wow. I had, to, I had to, to ask. <laughs> I had to ask. I had to ask. So just, uh, we're going to do a quick intro with these guys, but just, you know, while they're going to give you their background story, check out MSP Unplugged, MSPUnplugged.com. Uh, we're going to talk about what these guys do in their for their day job. We're going to talk about what MSP Unplugged's been doing. I think there's an upcoming event coming as well. So uh, we'll call that the trifecta. And there's plenty of industry news that we're going to be able to chat about. I'm sure these guys have been talking about it already. But hey, you know, that doesn't mean that I can't throw a little bit of, uh, you know, sizzle <laughs> into that. So uh, Paco, Rick, don't, uh, don't matter who goes first, but just a little bit of background on yourselves. You know, how did you get into the tech industry? Uh, and then after we get you know, through memory lane, 
We'll talk a little bit about ESPN Plus. <laughs> You go first. I'll let you go ahead, Rick. You want me to go? <laughs> you go, Batman. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah. So, Paco LeBron, uh, I am over at uh, Prodigy Techs, an MSP based out of Chicago. Um, we've been around, it'll be 10 years next year. And essentially, we're like any other managed service provider trying to provide the best uh, managed services, you know, because I don't want to highlight that we're a managed security uh, service provider because you know as matt lee says they don't exist but that's a controversial topic we'll go ahead and go from there but you know essentially we you know we concentrate on the verticals of manufacturing legal and private health care and trying to do everything in between to help mitigate and educate our clients awesome rick hey i'm rick smith i'm from renactus technology we are actually in our 19th year but that is, uh, <laughs> we, we, I'll clarify that we are in our last seven as a, as a MSP. Um, the first years we were in another company, um, same, same owner, same business, but just another name. Um, and we were just a break fix, break fix. Um, right now we are primarily a managed service provider and we're in, we're based in uh, Union, New Jersey. Okay. So you're not too far away. I'm in Newark yeah. today. Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw your uh, post earlier today. Well, yeah, I just love driving down 78 in the morning. Actually, I saw, <laughs> I saw a dump truck that flipped over. I don't know how I don't know how that happens. But uh, on the way into Newark today, I was like, oh, well, at least there wasn't anything in the dump truck. Exactly. So you guys have been in it. You get been in the trench. You know what it feels like to, you know, crawl underneath the desk and get the call at two o'clock in the morning and. You know, deal with all the craziness about people who don't know how to, you know, reset their passwords like every day. Like you've been yep. through, you've been through it. Definitely. That's awesome. This is true. That's awesome. And then talk to us a little bit about MSP Unplugged, which turns into, I think, not just the online stuff you guys have been doing. I think that turns into an event too, right? Yeah. So MSP Unplugged, um, it's uh, from what I've been told from some of my uh, co- close uh Vendor Friends, one of the longest MSP podcasts that have been airing a little over eight years now. Um, And we do especially uh, what we try to do for our own businesses. We help try and educate and try and bring the IT community together. Um, I think at the time when we first started, there was this big um, consensus that a lot of vendors, a lot of shows at the time um, were not really educating to a piece where you know, whether you were a small, nimble, uh, small MSP, whether it was part-time working as a smart part-time business owner to you having only a couple years into the game to even many years in the game, but you're trying to stay relevant. There wasn't something that spoke to all and really specifically try and help educate that you don't need thousands of dollars in resources and tools to do this, right? We had the ability of being able to educate those that if done right, you can scale at your own pace and you don't have to do everything like someone else. There's so many different ways to be able to be a managed service provider, different sizes, despite those that say bigger is better. Um, there are ways to help compete to that. So that's what uh, MSP Unplug is all about. It's about a community, bringing everybody together um, through that community. That's how I met Rick five years ago. We've built a great uh, 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 relationship and part- partnership from then. And then we also, this past year, through some internal uh, ownership changes, um, I have brought in Rick as a 50-50 partner in the business. So we are now business partners in MSP Unplugged. So not only do we have the online content and online resources, as you mentioned, George, we also have our in-person event, which we're in our third year this year. 
Uh, it'll be in Chicago slash Rosemont called TechCon Unplugged. And that's going to be a great time. It's a weekend show, which is very uh, few and far between other industry shows. I know. DMS it's not the, like, let's say 16. Let's, let's bring up the calendar real quick and make sure we're not crazy. Here's September 16, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. So it start kicks off Friday night. We do have a pre-day event that Matt Lee and uh, over at Cyber Matt Lee and PAX 8. Um, obviously, Matt Lee is doing this on his own, not affiliated with Pax 8, but he's over at Pax 8. And then uh, Ethan Tancredi over at Huntress, they're creating a pre-day event for us. And then really the official things kick off on Friday into the Sunday. So as I was mentioning yeah. before, MSPs love the weekend shows. I know my vendor partners and friends hate weekend shows because you're working <laughs> on a weekend. So we try to do what we can for both. But it's going to be a great weekend of packed information. But that's what we have where it's a 50-50 partnership on investing in vendors that are um, looking to invest back into the community and in turn investing in the community to ensure that they can scale and make sure that they can actually last and stay relevant and scale into the piece and whatever uh, lifestyle that they're looking to do. Awesome. I love this. This is based in Chicago. So it's yep. still good. September still like, you know, not winter time in yep. Chicago, but it should yep. be pretty good weather. Um, Hey, sounds great. I love weekend events. I don't care what everybody else says. That just means <laughs> that uh, I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, answering, you know, blowing up email and phone during the event. I can actually like take it easy. You know what I mean? Yep. And then one thing I forgot, and one thing I did forget to mention is that that Friday night social B VoIP is being helpful in us and helping us with that event as well. So um, when B VoIP, when B, yep, and when B VoIP is involved, you know it's a good time. So definitely, well, we we like Friday. we like to throw parties. That's for sure. That's it. Seems to be a specialty. Let's yeah. let's let's. So by the way, so check out MSPUnplug.com. Check out TechConUnplug.com. I shared those pages. Um, you know, I'm probably going to be headed out. The person headed out from, from, from this side. So, you know, I, I guess I love Chicago uh, when it's not, you know, negative degrees because I can just keep yeah. that on my side <laughs> you know, over here in Philadelphia area. But anyway, um, so let's talk shop, guys. I mean, you guys are on the street. You, you hear the buzz. You know what's bothering people. You know what you know what's helping people. You know what's not doing anything in between. I'd love to hear um, what you think is – you know, on the current, I mean, I could give you some things that I know come up on a frequent, uh, but I'd love to hear from your guys what you think are the top couple of things that are popping up on your radar, you know, in terms of the industry and like current times. Sure. Uh, Rick, you want to take that or I can kick it off? Well, you, you can start. It's okay. Right. I feel like <laughs> I've been talking a lot, so I'll make sure I, I do that alley-oop. But yeah, I think one of the biggest things that we've been hearing a lot is not so much regulation, but the uh Emphasis on insurance providers, making sure that we are checking all the boxes and making sure we're doing what we're saying that we are doing. Problem with that is that the insurance providers sometimes don't know what they're saying from their resources they're trying to kind of gather together and put it the together. Que the, on que that piece. the questionnaire doesn't fit like it's a black or white, you know, in every category kind of thing. Exactly. So, you know, it, it, navigating that, I think that's a really big thing recently. Um, you know, talking to guys like Larry Mador over at uh, Data Stream, mm -hmm. talking to Matt Lee. Uh, I, we were in Channel Con. He had a session with uh, some of the guys over at Domotes and uh, Ninjio talking about how, hey, it isn't black and white. You should be attaching addendums to these things versus checking off boxes, say, see attached and explaining it. And then if the underwriters are approving it, then you're covered because you're explaining what you're doing. 
Hold um, on. Let me, I, I, this is, you know, we've been, we've been doing this lately. I, you know, anyone who jumps onto the live session, I give them a chance to jump on. I know Keith yeah. Nelson's talked about this topic before where he's been successful in like contacting the underwriter, like somehow getting through the agent to the actual person doing the bean counting and having a mm-hmm. discussion. I, I actually, of all the people that I've talked to, I think he may be the only the second person I've run into who's been successful in that. Keith, tell us a little bit about how you've been able to get to that. Well, you know, first of all, um, I had to submit some credentials and some background so they knew they were talking to someone that was real. And again, I'm an insult to everyone in our business. We have titles that are simply made up and unverifiable. So I um, submitted my background and had a discussion with the underwriter about some things um, that are not uh, fensible, such as CNC machines in aerospace facilities, because they don't have the current OS. You're not allowed to do single logon because they must talk to multiple machines and the cost is prohibited. Uh, So I showed how we monitor um, and fence that into a secure area and uh, do advanced subnetting and they they gave us a waiver. And that's just one example. Um, On the the West Coast ports, because we have multiple users logging into kiosks to check in, we showed how we used a combination of physical and uh, ring fencing to uh, get around the single logon per machine. So if you have the background and are able to explain it, you have to remember that most insurance companies are not even close to being experts in cybersecurity and they admit it. They don't have the staff. They have a a lot of um, underwriters that were looking at uh, probabilities and don't really understand our business. And so um, they do need some guidance. And, okay, um, so so let, let me ask, this is two scenarios that I think people need to listen to. Paco's approach is like staple an addendum with a lot of verbiage on, you know, what the extended explanation is rather than let or no, which they don't even give you an option for, right? You're kind of just like injecting that into the conversation because they're, you know, like otherwise you're screwed if you hit the wrong yes or no. Keith, how did you get past the agent, broker, whatever you terminology you want to use to get to the underwriter did you call them up and say hey can i talk to the person that's going to rate this or how, how does it work well to me it's kind of simple the agent broker oh i, I not consulting one it's a salesperson primarily right they want a commission they want to write the policy they're not particularly involved in the risk so when when i said you know this was a, a substantial policy and i and i believe I can talk to people um, to make them understand and, and mitigate the risk. The decision was made that for him to repeat what I was telling him would lose things in the trans- translation. It would go on forever because the underwriter would have a second call. So it really wasn't that difficult. Um, you know, I basically I just said, let's make the deal. And- you don't, if you don't ask, you can't get basically, right? Like nobody raised their hand and said, Hey, can I talk to whoever's doing this so we can just hash this out? I mean, Paco how, and, and Rick, how successful have you been with the, hey, I'm just going to add some additional you know, pieces of paper onto the back of this and please read what I'm writing. Well, it, it, it's, it's got to be, you know, Keith, Keith's uh, approach is, 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 a, is a smart one. I, I, you know, it's not something I've tried. 
But uh, I will say, you know, we have to put the addendum because answering a simple yes or no question can get you in trouble. You know, oh, yeah. and we have to mm -hmm. be extremely, you know, conscious of what we're signing, what we're agreeing to, and what we're saying we're able to provide. And it goes back to what, what everyone is saying. The insurance company, they just don't know what they don't know. So what the questions you're getting really are a hodgepodge of what they've heard, what they've seen, maybe, you know, a couple of things they've read, they're putting it together. Because one of the things I've noticed, you can go to, you know, three different companies and 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 your clients will come to you. They're getting their policies from, from different places. The questions are different. And they approach them differently, you know, and so some will ask detailed questions or required certain things, others don't. So, you know, we, the addendum is, is I think, you know, and I, I got that idea from Paco, who, who, you know, who got it. That is really the only way at this point, until we get to the point where we're doing what Keith has done, which I think is a great idea, but it's the only way we can protect ourselves. I, I feel like, and obviously, you know what happens, right? If there's an incident, and you raise your hand, you put a claim in, and then they send this incident response guy, firm, whatever. And that person's a high priced person. And like he has the questionnaire photocopied in his little briefcase, and he's going through line by line to make sure you did everything you said you were doing. But then, like, little things could really trip you up. It's like, well, all of your network switches need to be MFA. And you're like, what if I have equipment that's not unmanaged, right? Like, right. there is no mm -hmm. web interface, it's just a dummy brick right like it just right. has ports on it you know like that one something that simple can get you jammed up or hey is mfa turned on for all your user access and then like it's like oh well most of it's turned on but i didn't get to this block of people like it takes one person and then all of a sudden that line disappears on you right like i hate to be that trivial but like that's what these guys are doing from my understanding right. by the way explanations to underwriters has been around, I mean, when underwriters were writing, underwriting government loans and issuing private mortgage insurance, often the answer was not a simple yes or no. And and, and the same in business liability insurance. But, you but see Keith, it all the but time. Keith, but Keith, why don't they have like a little thing? If you need to expand, add a page, right? Like yeah, you always get the application, right? Where it's like, if it doesn't fit here, put add a page on the back. But I never see that on the questionnaire. Um I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. I, I think it's I think they're in the in the wild west, to be honest with you. I agree. <laughs> I, I, I think they're you I mean talk to people that are in the business all the time. They'll tell you insurance companies will admit they're uniquely unqualified to do what they're doing. And that's yeah. why you're seeing rate instability. You have wow. you have people that are just they don't really understand. They don't even understand the trend. We don't, we're in the business. I mean, within the last six, seven months, there's been a decline in ransomware cases and all of a sudden it spiked again. And no one knows what happened. Were we preventing it? Did ransomware, was it the um, war in, in Ukraine? You know, no one really understands what's going on. And so there's a lot of um, speculation and guessing and, and, and people that are going like, this is all new. It, it's it, it's interesting to see, uh, and I would love to hear uh, from anyone, including Paco and Rick, but like you go to the end user, you start helping, like they're getting the questionnaire from their company, right? Because it's renewal time and they're going through and you're explaining, hey, like 80% of this you're not doing today, right? We've talked about this and that and like, here's what it costs to do it. And they're like, no, nah, I'll just pay the premium up increase. Like they're, they're like, 
instead of putting all the pieces in place, it's like, hey, no, the insurance is what I'm going to pay for instead, right? And then when they get the insurance premium after they've handed in the eight out of 10 not checked yes, and then they see that it's a 300% increase, now they come back to you and say, well, let me talk to you about some of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, you know what I mean? Like, have, has that actually happened? Because I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen as well. And, you know, I, I've seen it a couple of times, actually, where they don't get the, you know, the importance of what we're talking about until, you know, until a number's really attached to it. They see our number and think, hey, that's a little more than I want to spend. But then they realize, again, like you said, what what comes behind that when the insurance company has that number says, hey, if you're not meeting these things, either we can't even write a policy for you or that number is astronomical, then they come back. So yeah. I, I, I think say this, I, I'm once sorry. They uh, real, once, once they realize the cost of like SOC and like some of these other things that are more reoccurring that have like legitimate, like not like a dollar to a user, right? Like it does, it does expand a bit. They do get skittish. But I've always been one who's I'm waiting for, you know, I I hope they get this to a point where it is all, you know, buttoned down and we're not, you know, each policy, you know, each policy is not a totally different uh, change from the other. But I, you know, for our business itself to help us as MSPs, I think this is very good that the 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 approach that the insurance companies are, are trying to get to, not where they are now, but where they're trying to get to, I think is going to be great for us and, and helping us to mitigate some of the risk, you know, that the clients are willing to endure to, you know, out of sheer ignorance or not wanting to spend an extra few bucks. Well, can I throw something out there? I'm sure Paco has something burning on his lips, but <laughs> it's almost like when, like when Microsoft goes down, it's like, oh, that's Microsoft, you know, like, right. Go Google it. You'll see they're down for everybody, right? And then like, it's not you, right? It's the same thing with this insurance thing, right? It's like, right. so that's an insurance company, right? I'm just telling you what it's going to take to comply with what they're telling you they need. Like, I didn't come put a gun against your head and say, yeah. Right. I mean, so even then to kind of take into uh, a more, like, one step further, it opens that conversation with the client, right? And then being able to, on an insurance position, hey, it, jumped this high because of X or it jumped because of whatever the case may be. If we try to investigate why it increased so much, because whatever was checked off that it opens that conversation. But what I'm also seeing too, is to uh, what I mentioned is the next one over is there our clients. Clients are now auditing them, mm-hmm. which now brings an even more important discussion because yeah, insurance is great and they need insurance, but sometimes they're like, well, whatever. But if you're going to lose a client, and the client is asking, and you have a pretty big client that it's a great agreement, they're going to bend a little bit more to try and get whatever needs to be done because the partner is auditing and saying, hey, if you don't have this, we can't continue to do business with you. So I've noticed that those two have also helped with conversations with the client as well. So that's interesting, right? Like some people hear about compliance, they hear about CMMC, they hear about SOC, they hear about this. But they're like, they're like, hey, I'm dealing with sub 50 user companies, sub 100 user companies, like doesn't apply until you're a sub of a sub of a sub, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, let's say there's like a master and then they're a customer of these guys and you're a customer of these guys. And then all of a sudden it trickled downstream because everybody, you know, as we all say, crap rolls downhill. Yep. So it's very intriguing to see that that's, and, and, and usually when you get that phone call, it's they need it tomorrow, right? 
I feel like, hey, <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, I'm gonna lose this. I need you to come in and tell me what we need and put it in like next week, like Friday, and it's Monday, yeah. right? And yeah. it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's like this is a big, pretty big project, right? You can't right. just turn it on overnight. But uh, right. it's very intriguing that you know that kind of sandwich is happening from both sides. But I do think it's going to take some time. There's some people that are still in the Stone Ages with the carbon paper and and no computer sheets, guys. Come on. <laughs> Well, you have to remember if you've been in the business long enough, you're selling, you probably sold them the crap you need to replace. So you can understand the customer's (laughs) um, reluctance. I mean, they do something else and they're smarter at what they do than we are. So, I mean, it's, it's a respect for the customer, but you're going like, if you've been in the business long enough, you sold Norton. Yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, not to pick on Norton, and I hope they're not one of your sponsors. Norton, Norton, Norton was <laughs> great. Norton was great. Come on, they were the. There was a, there was a time when definition. There was a good run. There was a good run on Norton. <laughs> yeah, definite based antivirus was good stuff, and you probably sold them, and you said this this will take care of you, and yeah, you can RDP from home because that's safe, and 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 so it's a constant um, education process where you're having to temper your sales from the way we used to be to more of an education ongoing threat environment uh continuing process yeah i got i got a statement i want to hear what everybody's thoughts are on it um msps usually do well in recessions agree or disagree i agree i think the, the for the for the fact of not only in recession, recession, but in hard times in general. I think that, you know, for example, when the shelter in place happened back in 2020, um, no one knew what was happening, right? So it was just hard times. I went from a solo uh, business owner to seven employees in the last two years because of that. So I can tell you when, yeah, when I hear that, and now, now granted, th- that's a very big overall general statement. Like there are things you have to prepare for. You have to make smart bets, you know, things of that nature. But I believe um, I agree with that statement. Okay. Rick? I definitely agree as well. And, you know, I don't want to make this to, you know, benefit from someone's misery, but you know, one of the things Paco and I talked about was, you know, with the, you know, I, one of our shows we were going to entitle was screw the recession. You know, if there's a recession, it doesn't change what I have to do. Right. Um, and one of the benefits from that for us is, you know, if you don't do it now, it's a great opportunity for co-management to offer co-management, you know, again, not to benefit from someone's misery, but if there is a recession and companies start to lay off, usually the IT departments in those companies are usually one of the first to go. But that doesn't mean the technology doesn't need to still be maintained. So that opens up an opportunity for us to benefit from that and, and you know, maybe get into some places there to help in assisting in, you know, in a co-managed environment. So that is definitely an opportunity as well as I, I don't think, you know, unless the business is closing down or they're, you know, really want to take a risk, they can't afford to just let the IT go by the wayside. I mean, in the pandemic, some people definitely closed up their doors. I mean, there's no right. question. And like, you know, that sucks, by the way, because some of these companies have been around for a long, long time, mm-hmm. been in business, whatever, and they just couldn't keep it going at the end. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I almost, you know, counter what's coming. Like, we're already in a recession. I don't, you know, you can't redefine it. Sorry. 
two quarters, down negative growth. I think we're already down that path. I think it gets worse before it gets better, by the way. I feel like this is more like a 2008 situation, some degree, than obviously the pandemic, which was like a 100-year thing, right? So in 2008, a lot of people did get caught off guard. And I think a lot of, and then there were some MSPs that just crushed. And there are other MSPs that were like, oh, well, 25% of my my seats went away, right? Because all these companies started laying people off, which I believe you're starting to see some of those layoffs. You know, there's going to be a reverberation effect, right? You're seeing it by, you know, PEVC back companies. You're seeing it by very big companies. Microsoft just announced more layoffs today. They're a very mega company, right? But when it comes down to like SMB land, right? Let's just call it sub 500 just for sake of argument. I mean, it takes a minute, but it does trickle down. And then like there's this, you know, kind of two sides of the coin, right? There's you're going to lose headcount, right? Which your customers come back and say, hey, I need to reduce some services just to cut costs. But then you get the other side, which is what you guys were just saying, co-manage or IT departments getting blown out, but there's still employees. What do you do with them? So like, you know, you almost need to be positioned properly to to capture that. What what other bets, Paco, do you think, you know, like people need to just, you know, you need to make a decision, yes or no, in order to like be in that, be in that place? Yeah, I mean, I think several things have happened, at least from, I can speak personally, is that you, depending on what the situation is, you got to adjust, right? So for example, if I were to look ahead and think, all right, what are some of those small, smart bets? I think really the position of what are my vendor relationships with my customers software? So for example, we're very big into manufacturing. So there is a software that uh, some of them will use. They have, Some clients have multiple versions of that software. What can I do to leverage myself with that vendor? Because they're going to continue to have much more marketing dollars than I am, depending on the size of that marketing software. So how can I lead into them into the Chicago market or the other markets that I'm in, where I'm the guy that can help get their system in place with our clients slash new clients, right? So that's one. Two, bigger MSPs, and this is what allowed us to survive way back in the early days when we were just trying to survive, not even during, uh, this was our own personal hard times, not even hard times going around in the world. But uh, leveraging other bigger MSPs, bigger MSPs have the ability where they're probably more mature, more grown than where you're at. So for those that are trying to figure out, well, I want to build a, a safety nest or some type of relationship partner, you know, I've spoke with quite a few. We partner with a few here in Chicago where if something's not meeting their criteria because they have to sustain their own growth and their own services, they will pass those over to us as a referral and lead, which meet our requirements and our criteria. And then we use that and leverage that. And then they get their finder fee or however the relationship works. But that's another avenue of being able to create a lead stream, but without having to put all the dollars in place, right? So those are the two ones that I can think of really quickly on the top of my head. But I think being able to understand where the trends are going. Everyone knows cloud is the thing. You know, how do you figure out to make sure everyone can remote work from everywhere? Because everyone wants to work everywhere remotely. How do you leverage your clients to be able to do so safely and mitigate that uh, um, opportunity as well? So it just some of those things are, as you kind of pay attention to some of those trends, see what works for you. You don't have to, you don't have to absorb and consume everything that all the trends are saying. If you do one, two things, like you said, left or right, even if it's 1% better, you're going to get there eventually. No, that's great. That's great advice. On the yeah, I would say as long as you're not ahead, doing the blue light, do you want fries with that sale and adding real value, you're right. going to, you're, you're part of the, 
business process, the operation, the lean of your customers, you're an integral part, especially as things can, can uh, contract. If you're simply here's a catalog and you know three ninety five a, a workstation and 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 pricing off the penny saver mentality, you're probably going to get beat up because someone's going to go cheaper than you. You know, we all learn from Sears and Kmart, you get so cheap till you go out of business. And as, as long as you're doing the things your guests have talked about, which is, you know, true business value and measurable results, you're going, they can't really get rid of you. IT is a cost center. Business process engineering is a value proposition. There's two different things. I like the way you put that. Yep. So since you brought up co-manage, I mean... There's still a lot of people out there that have like self-taught, homegrown, right? Like they, they were able to get their company to a certain point, right? You know, now you come in in one way or another, right? However the angle works, you know, for you to have that conversation. And like these guys haven't been able, you know, they're so busy just keeping things running within their own organization. They're not totally up to date with like the current things, right? The current trends, the current technology, right? So like, just for example, right, you go into somebody that's been managing Active Directory on-premise and, and on-prem you know, Windows server since, you know, 25 years ago, and now you're trying to bring Modern Workplace and Azure and Intune and Autopilot and all that stuff, right? It's like a completely different language. How do you, how do you bridge that, that gap? <laughs> My answer is get younger employees <laughs> because I am that guy. I'll, I'll, I'll answer it that way. I am that guy who comes from that corporate server background, that Active Directory background. So I've had to shift my paradigm to understand, you know, Azure, to understand the, the new modern workplace. So I am learning, but I also, I think, you know, I, I don't like to use the word kids, but the younger generation picks it up a little faster. So, you know, Support is what's important. Having the right people in place to help, you know, if you have the idea, you don't necessarily have to be the one who has the, who are the, can perfect it. You know, you can have the idea and find people who can implement for you what you need. That's, you know, and that that's really good management, good business sense, in my opinion. But it's, it's funny, George, I thought you read my my uh, CV or something. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I was just, no, 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 like this happens all day, every day. These companies, 50, 60, 100 people have had somebody back into the IT role, maybe not actually trained or went to school for it. They just kind of picked it up and somehow they, they morphed into that role and like they made it work for a long, long time. But like, then 2022 came, right? And it's like, well, like this is not the way anymore. Right. It's a pretty big gap. I mean, it goes back to what like Keith said, right? Is how do you present that business value, right? And being able to explain like, like everyone here, like everyone wants to work from everywhere, right? Like I'm just going to use that topic. So, you know, the goal is to ensure that that IT director, that, you know, homegrown IT guy that got uh, learned, you know, educated up to that point is we're not trying to replace them. Right. We're trying to help him out and, and, and be an asset to them and supplement what he has. Right. Because me personally, I don't want to manage an AD that was homegrown and they piece together whatever it was with paper clips and bubble gum. Like, that's just not me. But if I can help them uh, get into modern workplace and educate them like, hey, it's going to be easier for you because now you don't have to worry about going into the office to do X, Y, Z. We can actually just drop shift this laptop over them and it'll just deploy. Here's how. And it's more of a training educational, but the business understanding the business value of, hey, 
we don't have to worry about people not being able to start on day one, turn on the laptop the day before, let it sink an hour and you should be on and going. So I think it's a lot of that business value education is how you help get in there slash implement a lot of these things as well. You know, and part of it is that you're the single user guy is not a scalable solution for a company. And that's why we exist. I mean, the single user guys, a hose jockey, he's putting out fires all day long. He doesn't have time to take vacation, breathe, have coffee, and especially doesn't have time for the education retraining process. And, and for a, a provider, that's a good 10% of your tech's time is learning new technologies, attending webinars, getting vendor updates. And when you're just one guy managing, you know, 30 workstations, even that that small, you don't have time to just say, don't bother me, I'm, I'm on a webinar. Yeah, don't but, but me Keith, but Keith let, me, let me paint the picture and you guys can push back as much as you want, right? It's the, well, hey, you know, like we just called the guy or the girl down, down the hallway. There's no ticketing. Maybe things are being done by email. Maybe otherwise it's just like passing as you're walking by. Or, hey, go grab dude down the hallway, or go just call him on the cell phone, text him, tell him to come down over here and just knock something out. And like, there's no standardization, right? And the second you introduce something other than and then they get, they're like, well, we're not used to this, right? And then like, we just want the dude in the office who can grab him at any time. Well, again, I, I think it's just the paradigm shift. You have to, when you talk clients, you can tell the that you can tell the difference when they call you all the time rather than you say, "Hey, put in a ticket." You're going to get service faster if you put in a ticket than calling me on the phone or trying to explain it to me. So it's it's just a it's again, you have to explain to them if this is what you want or how, you know this is how it has to be done. And I, I hate to sound dictator dic, dic, dictatorship like it's a dictatorship, but the fact of the matter is. The shift has to happen, or you know, you adapt or die, basically. And and, and that's the way it is. Is <laughs> we have to, you know, again, I, I don't know. I I had I've you know personally, just from my background and working in, in Active Directory, I had to make that shift a couple of years ago and understand where we're going. So this is for me personally and how I manage my company. So when I have clients who've are used to doing it one way, you know, their cousin's friend who was knew how to build a Dell, you know, build a computer at some point was their IT guy, but now he's, he's outgrown him. We have to, you know, again, what the same thing that's been talked about all the time, show that, show the, the true value of what we're offering. And, you know, the client will make the shift or at, there's a point where they're not a good fit for you if that doesn't work the way it should work. Okay, that's fair. Let's go into that for a second. How do you how do you identify and ultimately decide, you know, what's good and what's not good, right? I mean, some people are not have not have said, hey, I do manage services, but it's really not 100% of what we do. I, you know, we're still doing projects, you know, who are for non managed services customers, we're still doing, you know, kind of these kind of half maintenance style agreements, right? Where you know, maybe times included or on-site time, whatever it is, like, you know, it, you know, there, and there's always that, you know, you know, the hundred percent of what we call MSP land or the sandbox, I like to call it, there's always that 20%, right? At the bottom, that's like this, it's like a turnstile. 
And then like the guys at the top, right, you say are kind of consolidating a little bit because, you know, the BEBC guys are also, you know, coming into MSP land. And then you get the guys in the middle, right? So like, you know, knowing, knowing that people, even the MSPs need to look at their own customer bases going into a downturn saying, hey, I need to really streamline what I'm doing so that I can, you know, kind of position myself for what should be coming down the line. What, well, how do you identify customers that just aren't to fit them? I want to answer or you go back. Uh, I'll tell you, I was waiting for you, Rick, but um, I had an answer. Well, go ahead. I've been talking a lot. You go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think so. Just to understand, George. So basically what you're saying is that what, how do you identify clients that are going to stick with you through this adapt or die uh, phase or just mm -hmm. in general, how are you identifying your clients so that you can figure out how, what is your next move moving forward? Well, there's, there's a little bit of both, right? You really okay. have to understand what, what you know, who, who are people that are going to make it to the next level versus people that have kind of been in the middle and just haven't yeah. really done anything, right? Right. So I think in that realm, you know, you really got to look at what you're implementing, right? So hopefully a lot of the managed service providers are sticking with some type of framework on the offering of their That's services. Cool. Uh, whether that is NIST, whether that is uh, CIS, you know, IG1, IG2, those implementation groups, um, you know, whatever framework, right? And then, you know, is that client essentially adapting or, or taking, uh, are you offering, and depending on how you're offering, are you making sure that they know that this is what needs to happen or they can't be a client anymore? Because it's so, not so much a liability for them, but a liability for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how we started operating about two years ago. Once you kind of identified that piece and, you know, where are, you are from them adopting solutions versus you being behind because there's just so much work to adopt and tools that you've brought in and things of that nature, then it's, you know, in my opinion is what are you receiving from the monetary wise? Because what you'd also don't want to do is if one is heavier on the, on the landscape on one end, which is the higher clients, and then as you mentioned, you have your turnstile on the bottom in that middle is where it matters, right? But if you take a big hit because your top client is, you know, 50, 60% of your revenue, you're going to hurt and you're going to hurt bad, right? So what are you doing to help uh, um, mitigate that hurt, right? So that's what you have to kind of figure out. I think the rule I heard, and, you know, anyone here can correct me, I think it's what, 8 to 10% of your revenue should be for each of your clients or around in that uh, phrase. But trying to make it as mitigate as much as possible, because if they did leave, you know, that's going to be helpful for you. But the question is, how do you find out if they are going to leave? I think although all of us that are trying to keep our hands on the rope as much as possible, whether it's troubleshooting, implementing projects, making sure our clients are happy, somewhere is not going to get uh, taken care of, especially if you have multiple hats that you're wearing. So having like an account manager, a customer success manager, or even scheduling time dedicated specifically to make a call to your clients, if you have the ability to stop by, see where they at where they're at because a complaining client in my opinion is a lot better than a client that has gone silent because you just don't know what's going on so you want to poke see what's going on things of that nature because if you find out you know just from the next day hey so and so is deciding to leave well why we haven't heard anything in four months well i that's your blaring signal right there you haven't heard from them in four months so those are some of the things i would say you want to take a look at as you try to look at your roster and your clientele and trying to figure out what's next.
And yeah. I just want to, I'm sorry, I just want to add on to that. One of the things, and, and I say this a lot now, and it's one of the things I've learned, I spend so much time focusing on the tech that I forget about the business. And you have to, you know, a lot of times moving away from clients who don't fit is a business decision. It's a smart business decision. And, you know, you have to sometimes be willing to, to make that, you know, make that decision, move on, because in the end, you have to protect, you know, the business. You want to protect the client, do all you can for them. But there are those who don't want to help themselves. And no matter what you've done or what you've tried, they won't move with you the way you're trying to go. And then that means, you know, doesn't mean that they're wrong. It just means they don't fit what you need from a client. And that is a business decision you make then to move on. And it is some sometimes, and I'll say one more thing that we probably should do talking about that bottom 20% turnstile is we need to niche, 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 niche down ourselves. And what I mean by that is we, we started out often. I come from a, you know, starting a company that was for 14 years was break fix. So we did everything right now I'm managed service. We can't do everything. And unless I'm a huge company, you know, that has a department for everything, we can't do everything. So some things you have to let go and, you, you know, you make business decisions, whether it's a profit center, maybe whether it fits into your, your, um, your, your company's, you know, future growth, what you want, you make a decision and you, you know, you let go some things and the clients who want those, you are happy to refer them to somebody else who does that and you move on from it. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. To be honest, I just feel like everybody doesn't want to lose revenue. But they don't realize the profitability of each customer, right? And I think that they actually spend the time to get down into the weeds to ask that question. You know, they'll find out that if they're working for nothing, um, you know, unless you're unless you're doing it as a favor for I don't know some family member or something like that. I mean, like you're in business to make money, right? That's you know, everybody wants to help people, but you also got to pay your bills too. Um, so. I'm going to put it out there because it came out between you know, last show and this show, uh, but looks like Big K, Big Kaseya came out and said, hey, we've changed our policy. We've heard you. And now you can contact your account manager and tell them to not have you on auto renew for whatever service, whatever company. They have so many now under the umbrella. Um, is it enough? Did they go far enough in the in the change in the, in the, in the business practice here, or is that, you know, not, is that just the first step in many more that need to come? So interesting enough, I was asked this question when I was at channel con uh, with CRN, uh, the channel company for the same inquiries about the big K, right? Um, I'm not a, I'm not a Kaseya partner. So I'm looking at this through an unbiased eyes from what I hear from our community being the MSP unplugged community and those that I talk to. Um, I think the biggest issue I've heard is that when they, when partners reach out, it's silence is the bigger issue on top of the three-year contracts, which is kind of the big thing that I've heard. So it's great that they've announced this. It's great that they are not going to do the auto renews. Um, I think partners will be probably skeptical and more cautious because a lot of what I've seen, especially in the reddits and the forums, they've stated that they could reach out to their rep and 
haven't heard back. And not to big on pick on Kaseya, but there's other companies like this as well, where they're reaching out to the rep and then they don't hear anything. So if that's the only way to do it, um, I'm, I believe partners may be cautious, but if there's other ways to be, you know, streamlined and more efficient to enact that, um, I think it would be better um, unless Kaseya has not announced that as of yet. Mm. Yes. From what I can tell, like you got to get the human being, you got to, uh, you got to raise your hand. You got to have a conversation about asking for this auto renew to be turned off and then they have to, you know, actually do it and acknowledge. Right. But, you know, and, and, you know, it's a shame, right? Because to your point, Paco, like, does everybody know who their current account rep is at all the companies they're dealing with? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I'd love to say yes, but I'd say no. So if you, if you don't know who it is and you can't get a hold of them, well, then we're not even at square one yet, right? Absolutely. So I, I will say, I think it's a start. I, I, at least it, it's a start. It's an acknowledgement of, of something. But uh, because as a former partner in some of their smaller products, I still get calls and I haven't been a partner for over two years, maybe three years. And I still get calls talking about the product and say, dude, I don't use that anymore. You know, it's still here. You know, it's listed here. So um, I, I think that is this, you know, and, and, you know, we won't go into it, but Paco and I talked about the headache I had when, when I thought I was out of a products <laughs> um, and found that they had a different idea. But anyway, um, you know, I, I think it's a start at least. And if you can make the call and then the actual process actually goes through, then it, it is, it's a positive. I won't take it as anything else, but I will, I will say it is a positive. Okay. It's, it's a movement where before we saw, we were worried about no movement, right? Um, still, still a lot of questions about how you know, the two big companies kind of come together. Uh, I always tell people, if you looked at history in the sandbox, it takes like 18 months, 24 months before it's all really hashed out. And we're at the very beginning of that. Uh, in, in this particular story, right? So, um, you know, I, I mean, I think the big scare is, and 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 Darren's been one of the people that is vocal in, in, on this side, uh, who's on the call, you know, like, you know, you just want to feel comfortable that you're standing on solid ground and know who you're dealing with and understand what your, you know, what your, what your situation is. And I feel like so many, you know, feel like that's not the case on the other side, you know, not to pick on you, Darren, but you know, Darren's already said he's, you know, he's been evaluating vendors, he's been looking at different things. And, you know, he, you know, Darren, I don't think this, this story, Darren, I don't think changes your position, right? Look at that. He's in the, he's in the yeah. background. I, there I, you go, Darren. I'm here. I, I just ordering a, ordering a system urgently that this had to be done. So more carbon system, another carbon system. Yep. There we okay. go. Literally right. right now. So okay. Yeah, I, that Darren's gonna put up the billboard for carbon systems. Yeah, it's gonna be like this. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Actually, it's so much easier. I mean, I don't want to change the topic here. So, I I was just on the phone. I apologize. It's okay. So I was saying that this the, the big K, you know, auto renew news didn't did it change your position or not really? I mean, I don't even know what what has you can turn auto renew off, but then. It's going to still be the same conversation, right? Well, they said they're turning auto renew off. As, as you can get a hold of your account manager and make that happen. And for customers coming up on 90 days of your renewal, they're going to amp up the communication 
uh, frequency where before it may have been one message. They're going to make it several up until, you know, you get to that auto renew period should you still be have it on, right? There, so, was, there was no communication before from what I could tell. I mean, that was the, the beauty of it is just let it let it renew and, you know, you're, you're, you're locked in. So that's good to hear, I suppose. Yeah. But that, um, that doesn't that doesn't sound like that. You know, do you, with that news, do you say, you know, maybe I'll stick around and see what happens? Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm I'm still I'm I'm half in half out, kind of with with that in general right now. So, you know, still got the RMM, still have the server BDR, but we've got that com complemented with uh, wrong word probably, but uh, with Axian as well and. Uh, move to Axiom for desktop. So we're I'm gonna see what happens at DattoCon, honestly, at this point. So that does that mean you're coming to DattoCon? Yeah, it looks like I'm coming, I think. Yeah. Well maybe on the way back you can stop by Chicago and come to TechCon. How about that? TechCon uh, TechCon unplug. Yeah. You should TechCon Google it. You'll see it's in uh in Chicago on a weekend in September. A weekend, not a week too many too many events. There's too many <laughs> I know, that is the truth. <laughs> there, there really is this this industry. It, it there's just too much. That's I, I mean, it really is over the top now. It's where are you going to use all your Marriott points? <laughs> I, yeah, but I, it's not about that. It's just it's still the time. It's time. It's yeah. and, and what value do you really get out of that time? But I, I mean, look, I said I like ChannelCon. I think they did a good job. It wasn't. I, I liked it wasn't a hugely vendor focused thing. So I would go back to that, but. You know, I mean, DattoCon was always, you know, all about the vendors, uh, you know, in a big way. So I'm, I'm curious to see if there's any different this year or not. Probably well, not. I but. think the difference this year is you're going to hear from Big Fred. Yeah, yeah. But that's so, what you want to hear. So see see what he says next. Keith Nelson does, uh, the, yeah, and I don't know if you have any products there or not. Does this um, news you know, change your opinion or not? It's funny that um, they have Dan Tomaszewski, or whatever his name is now, being active. You know, I'll handle your Kaseya problem, and everything's stable. And he's he's a good guy and good messaging. And then the same day, I see four things on LinkedIn. I've been duplicated. I'm laid off from four different people at Kaseya Dato. So, like we talked about months ago, that's always the tough hurdle. Because no. they didn't buy it for any reason but to make money. And that involves some consolidation. And there, there's, there's always going to be, I mean, there's just no way you take, I think Kaseya was like 3,000, something like that. And you take data, which was like another 1,800. And you, like, you jam these companies together. There's no way that all of those people, I know they said they want to add 1,000 people. Unless you're shifting to a completely different role, like there's got to be overlap, right? Like there's just, it doesn't matter who you are, that that's going to happen. So you, you either act quickly and get rid of a lot of people or, you know, you, you um, get the wrong people because the good people are the ones that everyone wants. So the good people are getting calls all day long right now that says, hey, you're in an unstable environment um let me offer you a better job no one's offering the crappy people a better job right now and and i learned that from ray lane when when oracle was i mean this is years ago was buying up things he says we got to keep our good people because they're the ones everyone wants um 
you know, otherwise at the end of the day, you're, you're left with a company below the 50 percentile. Yeah. And or, so, or, or in baseball, the Mendoza line. Yeah. No, you know, it's like, no one knows. I mean, when it all occurs, what, what ends up? Well, sounds like Keith Nelson, you may need to take a trip to, you know, add another, other, another couple of trips to your roster, but I know you only fly first class. Yeah. <laughs> no first class, no Keith Nelson. Let me hold on so I got someone's at the door. Okay, don't worry, Keith. Uh, Paco and Rick, uh, really appreciate you guys for coming on. I love this, right? We're just talking chop, you know, feel feel how things are going and, and hear, hear from the street. And uh, everybody's in a different place. And everybody has things through a different lens. So, so uh, appreciate you guys for jumping on. Excited to join you guys uh, in September in Chicago at TechCon Unplugged. So go check out uh, MSP Unplugged, TechCon Unplugged, so you can follow uh, Paco and Rick and, and keep up with uh, their jam. And then obviously we'll see you guys out on the street. It's just like every event on the planet is being squished into like a four-month period here. So I'm sure we'll <laughs> be running into each other in, a, in, a, in plenty of places now. Yep, I'll be at Exchange on the 22nd or the 21st, whenever that is. So, yep, Denver, Denver, Denver. And Rick, I might be passing you on the way back home, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, stop on by. <laughs> but I'll it. actually, I'm actually going to be at DattleCon as well. So, um, I'll see you there if nothing else. <laughs> okay, Washington, D.C. Here we come. Take it easy, guys. All right, we'll thanks so much, George. All right. All right. All right. See ya. Bye.